Hi. Merry Christmas. Good to see you guys. You know, before we go any further, um, I just, I got to tell you, I am just amazed at the team that we have. Uh, Pastor Andy, Pastor Brett, Beth, the team. You know, Christmas is a busy week, right? They were here Tuesday night practicing. Uh, they've, this is their second service. Uh, I'm just amazed by them and the sacrifice to minister to you. And wasn't it good? Wow. Yes, yes. Well, you know, today is sort of the climax of the tr- Christmas story, right? I mean, some of you start in September, um, and some of you are normal and start in December or right after Thanksgiving, getting ready for the day. Christmas Day. Uh, everything just kind of, isn't there just this natural build up to this day? And tonight is kind of the climax of that. This is the moment that we've been waiting for, the moment that we've been looking for. We've been in a story, and all of the characters of this story have converged to this moment Mary and Joseph. As you know, and as we read tonight, they were called out from where they were by Caesar Augustus that all people had to go to the the city of their birth, their ancestry, and do a census. They had to be counted. So they went to Bethlehem to participate in a census and be counted. Mary was pregnant. Usually about eight or nine months into a pregnancy, the doctor says, you know, you shouldn't travel. And that's for us in cars and airplanes. Mary, on the back of a donkey, overnight, long journey, over rocky terrain, they traveled. Mary and Joseph, think about this, were required to travel, to leave their comfort of their home, their family, their support system, all that they knew, to go and travel to where the Son of God would be born. But I don't think Mary and Joseph were the only ones. If you read the story, all of the characters of our story tonight have to travel. All of them have to step out and go someplace to see what God has done. The angels had to travel from heaven to earth. Now, I don't know how far that is, If I did, I'd probably be a wealthy man, right? I know exactly how far it is to heaven and how to get there, right? I don't know how far that was for them, but they traveled to earth. The shepherds had to travel. The angels came to them and said, you need to go. You need to go down there into Bethlehem and in a cave, in a manger, you're going to find a baby. And that baby is the Son of God. And they had to leave their fields and their flocks and they had to go and travel The astronomers, we know, who were the wise men from the east, traveled a long way. Some suggest that it might have even taken them two years to travel to where they could find Jesus. They followed the star. And even Herod, good old King Herod, the guy who would bring out a sword and kill every firstborn in Bethlehem, Herod may not have traveled physically, but emotionally, 
he moved from the confidence that he had in his own power as king to a man of fear, afraid of a little baby because of what that baby might do by taking away his power. Luke chapter 2, verse 15 through 17 says, When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Sounds like a trip. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. And there was the baby lying in a manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. God seemed to be moving people from their places of comfort and what they knew as normal out to something different. They had to travel to see this newborn babe. It seems to me that God was pulling and tugging Mary and Joseph and the spectators and all those people, including people of power. God was pulling them to the fringes. Away from their comfort zones. Away from the familiar. Away from the secure. Away from the common places in which they dwelt. For many of us, the Christmas story is a sweet story. One that we remember as a child growing up in the books and Sunday school. And we, we even teach our kids the sweet little story. And we read it as, oh, what a sweet story. That because we see the stable and, and we see the manger. And I, and I think even the, the donkeys and the animals come around and look down into the manger. And it's just a sweet picture. It's a story that warms our hearts and comforts our minds. It's a feel-good story. But when you really look closer at what was happening, this story is one of discomfort. It's a story of the unknown. It's a story of challenges, hurdles, mountains to climb. It's a story of danger. The Christmas story is anything but comforting. On the contrary, it pulls us. It calls to us. It tugs us and yanks us from our secure, comfortable lives. The ones we spend every day, every week, every month, every year building. Building up and securing our kingdoms. What we call our lives. We hold tight to them. The one thing that we definitely don't want to do is lose those things in that life that we have. When I look at our traveling characters, the ones that were pulled from their lives of comfort to a come and see what God has done, I hear the words of the grown-up Jesus. What does it profit a person if they gain the whole world? And yet lose their soul. What should the world do with one who is born king of kings? Here he is. He's here. People are coming to see him. But what should the world do 
with one who challenges every kingdom, every nation, every president, every everything. All world orders have been challenged by this king. Better, better yet, what should I do with this newborn king who comes to be king of my life? What about my kingdom? What about my power? What about my resources? What about the things that I want to do with my life? What about my life? It's my life. And yet this new child who comes is King of kings and Lord of lords. He has made his stance in this world as the king of all. What do we do with that? N.T. Wright says, Our culture has downgraded the Christmas story into sweet little songs and primary school nativity plays. But the birth of a baby who will inherit the throne of his ancestor David announces the start of a revolution. Nothing will ever be the same again. King David's successor would rule over the whole world. Anyone claiming David's kingdom is throwing down a challenge to the rulers of this world, whether in the first century or the 21st century. Our story takes us to places that really are on the fringe of normal life. You know, God could have chose for a king to be born in a little better place, a place of power. But God did not choose a place of power. He did not choose the center of action. He didn't choose the city square, the palace up on a hill. He didn't choose the wealthy, powerful family to put Jesus into. No, instead God chose a place that required people to travel to the fringes. This little couple... Mary and Joseph, insignificant, lowly, poor, from a nowhere place called Nazareth. This God who places Jesus in this scene takes us on a journey away from the comfortable and toward the uncomfortable. The place of Jesus' birth, like all the characters of our story, it lures us out to take a journey further and further away from our places of comfort and logic. But why? Why did God choose to do it this way? San Francisco is subjected, subjected to two natural phenomena. Anybody know what those two things are? San Francisco. Fog and earthquakes. If you're from San Francisco, you know fogs and earthquakes. And that might be all you know. But you know fogs (laughs) and earthquakes. Mark Twain once said, the coldest winter I've ever spent was a summer in San Francisco. (laughs) It's true that summers in San Francisco are considered the coldest season, mainly due to to a dense fog that invades the city and hangs around for about two months. The fog can be quick quick and thick, immersing itself through every cavity it can find. If you ever leave the city, you might start to believe that the sun doesn't 
exist. If you never move out of the city during that time of fog, you won't see the sun for days, weeks, months. You have to move out to the fringes of the fog, the foggy fringes, to see, to feel, to experience the sun. If you move out, you'll begin to see the sun and you'll begin to see the blue sky and the warmth of that sun will hit you. But if you stay in the city, you won't feel that. You won't see that. On the fringes, out from the familiar and the comfortable, away from the fog of life, the fog of this world's ideas about success, about power, about influence, about what's important. There we are captured and inspired by a whole new view of life. Perhaps this is the reason God tugged and pulled all those people away from their comfort zones, out to the foggy fringes of their lives. It was that first Christmas that they got a new perspective, a brand new view of just what God was up to in the world. And it was new and different. Jesus would not be a king who comes into the world with pomp and circumstance. There would be no royal announcements. There would be no trumpets blaring. There would be no celebrations in the streets. Jesus would not be a king who comes to build a kingdom with the world's power, the world's ways, the world's force, and its politics. The kingdom of God will not be built upon what we think nations should be built on. Instead, Jesus would be a king of a kingdom whose foundations are built on love. A king who loves his people so much that he would put on flesh and come down humbly to this world as a human baby given to very poor, insignificant parents to raise him. A people like you and me who love their king enough to follow him with all of our lives. And a kingdom where its people live by their king's example, that we love one another as we love ourselves. I think this is why the Christmas story moves us out to the fringes of our communities, our families, our world. His birth out on the outskirts gives us a whole different view of a king and his ministry and his kingdom. And this king lovingly invites you and me to the foggy fringes, out where we can vividly see the Jesus who makes us uncomfortable, who calls us to things that are out of our nature, who calls us to things that we never thought possible. But he calls us Come and see what your God has done. Amen. So I want to challenge you this Christmas Eve 
I want to challenge you to not just sit and watch the Christmas story from a distance in the comfort of your life as you have it. But get up. Move out. Go on a journey that will take you to the fringes. I challenge you to give your life to this newborn King. Go all in as you join and participate Him in the building of His kingdom. I challenge you to give till you are uncomfortable. To love the unlovable. To meet the need of the needy. To comfort and help the widow and the orphan. Get up and travel to the foggy fringes of a little obscure town in Bethlehem. Get up and travel to the foggy fringes of your families, your neighborhoods, your communities, your world. You will see that it is out on the fringes, away from your comfort zone, away from what you think is normal, that you will find a king doing what he has come to earth to do. There you will find Him giving everlasting life, saving, redeeming, calling those who are on the fringes to come and be part of something that is amazing, the kingdom of God. He has come so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So I challenge you to take a trip, journey out, from what's comfortable and see what God has done and what God's going to do through you. Amen. Amen. I've asked Pastor Bob to come.